I believe with all of my heart God is raising up some mighty men, women, teenagers, children in these last days. People who are not afraid, people who will endure, a people who will persevere, a people who won't give up, a people when their backs against the wall say, I'm not going to quit, a people who will stand in the gap for their families, for what they believe, a people when they're being attacked by the enemy won't sit down, a people when the odds are against them they know they can still overcome by the blood of the Lamb. And I believe God is raising up such a people, such a church like that, and I want to be a part of it. Does anybody want to be a part of that kind of folk, that kind of church in these last days? I want to preach from the story of 1 Kings chapter 20 and entitle this again, The Remnant. The word remnant simply means something left. It's not the whole, it's a piece of the whole. It's not the majority, it's a remnant. It's a smaller portion, a small remaining quantity of something. Somebody say remnant. This story in 1 Kings 20 is one of the most powerful stories in the Old Testament about one of the greatest victories, I believe, in the Bible. Let me give you just a brief rundown of it. There is a king by the name of King Ahab. He's God's covenant man. He's head of the nation of Israel. Then there's King Ben-Hadad, and he forms an alliance with 32 other kings, and they form a big army to come to the gates of the city of Samaria, and they camp out. King Ben-Hadad represents Satan, and Satan is the one who has come to steal to kill and to destroy. Understand in this story, they come and they camp out at what the Bible says is the gate. This represents a place where they strategize. In the Bible, when Lot went to Sodom, he ruled, and the Bible says he came to the gate, and there he judged. The gate is where leaders would gather to, to, to plan, to strategize. Judges would make decisions at the gates. And understand the enemy would camp out at the gates because they wanted to simply intimidate King Ahab and the nation of Israel, his people. He wanted to intimidate them. He wanted to weaken their confidence, weaken their minds. Now to bring it home and make it personal today, in our own minds and lives, the gate is and represents our mind. The mind is the battlefield for the enemy. And if Satan can enter in through our minds and camp out at the gate of our minds, camp out in our thoughts, camp out at our thinking processes, he can intimidate us, he can weaken us, he can confuse us, he can discourage us, and if he can do all of that, then he's got us right where he wants us and this is what King Ben-Hadad was trying to accomplish he was trying to intimidate but how many of you understand today church as long as we're bold we're going to win 
As long as we're bold, we can leap over a wall. We can run through a troop. As long as we're bold, I'm not talking about arrogance. I'm not talking about pride or selfishness. I'm talking about boldness or confidence like Paul said when he said, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. We've got to get some of that kind of boldness back in us as children of the Most High God. We've got to quit letting everything wear us down, wear us out, and intimidate us. We've got to lift up our heads square our shoulders and back and say not today devil greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world the enemy will try to weaken your confidence and make you think you're a nobody make you think you're nothing he'll remind you all day long of all of your mistakes and failures he'll exaggerate them and tell you you're not good enough to go to church you're not good enough to worship you're not good enough to serve you're not good enough to be a husband you're not good enough to be a father Understand this, the devil knows the joy of the Lord is our strength, and strength means confidence. So the enemy has a strategy. Don't you think for one moment that the devil's just, he has no plans. He strategizes. The devil plans. Just like an army before it attacks, they gather around the table. They look at maps. They look at photos and surveillance, and they come up with a strategic plan. They look for weak points in in, in their enemy, and that's where they attack. And in this story, King Ben-Hadad started sending messages to King Ahab and the nation of Israel to intimidate them. And watch this. This was his plan. They camped out at the gate, which represents the mind for us, and they started sending one message after another. When the first message was like this, King Ben-Hadad said, I'm coming in. He's got this big old army. He said, I'm coming into your territory, and I'm going to take all your silver and gold. Now watch this, somebody. It wasn't God wanting to take their money and make them poor. It was the devil. How many understands the devil wants you financially broke today? How many understands the devil especially wants the church of the living God to struggle and not be able to do what God's called them to do? When you're poor, when you're broke, when you're in debt up to your eyeballs, you will not have the ability to be all that God wants you to do. When your business is struggling, you gotta realize it's not just the economy, it's the devil because he knows if you're struggling, you cannot accomplish all that God wants you to do. When you have no finances, it affects your joy and then the pressure comes in and today there is an all-out attack on families and churches in the area of finances and the enemy started sending messages to the nation of Israel. We're going to steal your silver. We're going to steal your gold. The Bible says, though, that the silver and the gold is the Lord's. How many knows he wants to bless his children? He wants to bless your business. He wants to bless your families. And he wants to bless the church. So the first message they sent, we're coming in and we're taking your money. Then they sent a second message Understand something about the devil. If he can get into one area of your life, he's going to want another. He's greedy. 
So the second message was this. Not only are we coming in to steal your money, we're coming in and we're going to take your wife and your children. In other words, we're going to steal your families. And how many of you see that happening right before our eyes? We're all we're under an all-out attack against the family unit today. Divorce is on the rise. There, there, there's strife and contention and abuse among families and children and husband and wife. Family values are on the decline. Come on, and addictions are taking place. All of this is going on, and the enemy is coming in to take marriages and take children. He's in to destroy the family. How many knows the devil wants to weaken the family? But how many are here today who will stand up against the enemy and say, Ah, uh-uh, devil, as for me and my house, we're going to draw a line in the sand, and we are going to serve the Lord no matter what may come against us, no matter what we may have to face we will fight we will pray we will go to the house of the Lord we will worship come on somebody shout unto God give God praise if that's your stance today hallelujah we're coming to take your money we're coming to destroy your family then the third message watch this he said we're going to come into your territory and we're going to take all the goodliest things you've got Goodliest, King James word. We're going to get all you good things. What, what are good things? Things that money can't buy. And we're, a lot of us are really affected with this during the holidays, Thanksgiving, Christmas. We, we let things just get us down and out, and we get sad and depressed, and we focus on the wrong things. And, and before we know it, the enemy's robbed us of our peace. Money can't buy peace. The enemy's taking our joy, and money can't buy joy. Come on, somebody. And, and, and the enemy will take the communication out. It'll take the love out. He'll destroy our prayer life. It'll destroy our relationship with God and others. And he said, we're going to come in and we're going to take the things that money can't buy from you. And when it got to this point, some tension rose up among the camps in Israel. Some of the people of Israel started asking King Ahab, Oh, king, what are you going to do? They come, they've taken our money, they're, they're destroying our family, and they're not stopping there. They're taking what money can't buy, the good things. What are you going to do about it, O leader? This covenant man had simply given everything over to the enemy, title and deed, with no fight, no retaliation, no stand. And this is what I'm afraid is happening to us as individuals, as families, as churches, and out of the nation. Church, we need to get some fight back in us. What we've got to understand is the devil does not have a right to our stuff. He does not have a right to step foot in the church, to step foot in our homes. We've got to get bold. We've got to get confident. We've got to get some fight back in us and say, not in my house, not in my marriage, not in this body, not in my children, not in my family, not in my finances. Come on. I'm afraid we've given the devil devil access. We've signed over our careers. We've signed over our families. We've signed over our marriages without as much as no fight. We give him access when we don't pray. We give him access when we don't attend church. We give him access when we don't stay in the word. We give him access. 
We give him access when we hear things we shouldn't and we look at things we shouldn't, when we speak things that we shouldn't. Come on. He said, I'm going to come in. I'm going to take your money. I'm going to destroy your homes and your families. I'm going to take all the good things you've got. And about that time, people started getting enough is enough. We got to do something. He's already done this and done that. Now he wants this. Come on, somebody's got to do something. This isn't the end of it. After the money, after the family, after the good things, he sent another message saying he was going to take everything that's pleasant. (laughs) Everything that gave them pleasure. That old evil king said, we're going to steal it. We're going to take it from you. How many knows the Bible says in his presence there is pleasure forevermore and we were created for pleasure? How many knows the devil today wants you and I'm miserable? The devil wants to take the pleasure out of your family, out of you going to church. He wants, you to, he wants to take the pleasure out of you going and watching your kids play ball. He wants to take the pleasure out of you saying, honey, come on, let's go on a date tonight and just enjoy one another's company. He wants to take the simple pleasure out of you reaching over to your wife and picking up her hand and holding her hand again. He wants to take the pleasure out of you sitting down in the afternoon with your family or your spouse and drinking a cup of coffee and then just enjoying their pleasure. He wants to take everything pleasant and make you miserable and when you look around you can say God I'm blessed and I've got this and that but I'm absolutely miserable. What's happening? That's the devil He's taking everything pleasant and pleasurable for you. But this is when the story takes a turn and gets good. Somebody say good. Some of the elders and the people told King Ahab, don't you listen to anything else Ben-Hadad the enemy says. Don't you agree to give him one more thing. The Bible says when it got to this point, enough was enough. 232 were ready to stand and fight for what belonged to them along with some of the army. And that's where we get to the word remnant. It wasn't a big army. It wasn't a big group, but enough had had it up to here with the devil and the enemy. Enough had seen enough stolen. Enough had been robbed from enough. And they said, we've got to do something. And even though it wasn't a majority, how many know sometimes all it takes is a remnant, a small portion, just a piece of the whole. The Bible is full of examples of remnants. Think about even with Jesus himself. When he fed 5,000, there were 5,000 plus all the children and women that were gathered with him. But after they left there, that number dwindled down to 70. And then it dwindled down to 12 disciples who were with him all the time. And then when he went up to the mountain, it was down to only three. Somebody say a remnant. When we go to church... We have a house full on Easter and on Christmas, but then when it comes to just a normal Sunday, we have less. And when it comes to Sunday nights, even less. And when it comes to Wednesday nights, even less. And when it comes to Tuesday prayer, even less. Come on, somebody. A smaller portion, somebody say, it's just a remnant. But how many know that was a weak amen? But how many knows when you get a remnant, there's still power in a remnant? The Bible says if I can just get two or three together in my name. 
And I ask us today, where do we fit in? Where do you fit in? Where, where do I fit in? You see, the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He's after you. He's after your stuff. He's after the good things. He's after the pleasant things. He's after your finances. He's after your family. He doesn't care if you sow seed and water it. He doesn't care if you go to church. But when it gets to be harvest time, that's when he comes in like a flood. And many of you prophetically are in a harvest war right now. You've planted, you've sowed, you've watered, and now it's harvest time. And that's why the devil is after some of you so hard right now. Hot on your trail. Won't let up, won't leave you alone. That's why some of you are being attacked from all sides all at once. Who am I preaching to? All the time you've invested, all the prayers that you've sent up, all the money that you've sold and given, all the times you've fasted, all the sacrifices you've made, it is now time to reap a harvest and the devil knows it. Gideon was on the threshing floor trying to hide and protect his harvest from the enemy, the Philistines. The Philistines always had a way about attacking when it was harvest time. See, see, they let somebody else do all the work, and then when it came time to collect the benefit from it, that's when they moved in and stole it. Isn't that just like the devil? But God showed up and told him, he said, I want you to go down and fight them. And he had, he had a 35,000 men. But what did God do? He said, no, I don't want you to go out there with some big army because if you go out there and win with a big, vast army, then, then the army will be wanting to get the credit for it. So I want you to shift that army down all the way down to just a remnant of 300 soldiers. And when you go out there and you're victorious, then God's going to be the one that gets the credit. A remnant. Another example of a remnant. In Matthew 25, there are ten virgins. Five ran out, ran out of oil, which is symbolic of the anointing. And the bridegroom delayeth his coming. There is a reason for running out. That's the reason for running out. Only five had oil. Only five of the ten are remnant. And you see in all these examples and parables and stories I've shared, the whole never gets it. The whole never gets it. Gideon's army of 35,000, only 300 got it. 500 would go up to the upper room. Only 120 stayed and tarried. 600 of David's army only three of them out of those 600 became mighty men. There will always be a remnant left. And God is going to have him a remnant. But the question before us today is, will you and I be part of that remnant? A people who will stand, a people who will worship in the good and bad times a people who will love when you don't feel like loving who will serve when you don't feel like it who will fight see the remnant remnant people can't be shaken remnant people won't give up remnant people keep praising remnant people people keep walking in faith remnant people keep confessing the word of God remnant people say no matter what may come my way I'm going to stand for the truth how many of you want to be a part of the remnant 
The remnant don't have their eyes on man. They have their eyes on Jesus. Revelation 12, 17 says the dragon gets mad and he goes war to make war with who? The remnant. So if you're facing trials, if you're facing battles, if you're facing opposition today, that ought to make you want to shout because I believe it's a sign you're part of the remnant. And if you're part of the remnant, the Bible says the gates of hell may come against you, but they will not prevail. Why? Because Revelation 12 and 11 says we're made overcomers by the blood of the Lamb. We've been tried and tested, been through the fire. There's a reason the devil is after some of you because he's confirming you're a part of the remnant. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, neighbor, I don't know about you, but I'm part of the remnant he's preaching about today. And I've got news for the devil. I'm overcome by the blood of the Lamb. Revelation 12 speaks of God raising up a remnant inside of the church. Inside of the church. Look around. Can I just be transparent? Some people go to church and they're more carried away with Facebook and texting and nodding off and sleeping during my sermon. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they're more infatuated with this, that, and the other. And I've learned to quit expecting that everybody's going to get it. Everybody's going to be a praiser. Everybody's going to be a worshiper. Everybody's going to be committed. Everybody's going to be sold out. And what I've learned is that the whole will never get it. The complete. My desire is it is. I'd love for everybody to. But even in the Scriptures, the whole never gets it. But there will always be a group that does. There will always be a remnant that does. There will always be a portion of the whole that gets a hold of this thing. And I guess what I'm trying to say today is that God is raising up a remnant right here inside of Mount Holly Church. And this pastor wants to be a part of it. Does this pastor have anybody with him that wants to be part of what God wants to do? That's my desire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. People that come just to come, people that come to be entertained, won't get it. But people who are hungry will. God in these last days is going to raise up an anointed folk that's going to walk in His power and in His might. And how many believe we've come too far to turn back now? I want to be a part of a remnant who will stand, who will pray, who will fight, who will persevere, who's sold out, who's committed who will serve and give and do everything with a spirit of excellence. 
You see, the story that I told you in 1 Kings chapter 20 doesn't end bad. They had been threatened and intimidated by a bad king. Going to take your money, take your family, take the good things, the pleasant things. But thank God at least some of those people stood up and said no. 232 went against thousands. A remnant went against the majority. And God enabled them to defeat that enemy. Can you say praise God?